everyone. Welcome to No to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Shamaya Reed, the host of Refocused Radio. I had the pleasure of being a guest on Refocused Radio recently, and after listening to a few episodes, I was struck by the way in which Shamaya let his guest stories unfold. Today, we'll let him tell his own story and talk about what it means to refocus. All right, uh, Shamaya, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on Refocus Radio. It was a lot of fun. And um, the thing that struck me about being on the on your show and then listening to a few episodes was that um, you really let um, the guest kind of do a lot of the talking. And so I figured I'd give you a chance to kind of tell some, your own story a little bit, but I also don't want to pressure you and make you um, say anything you don't want to say. So what would you like to tell the audience about yourself? Yeah, man. Uh, first and foremost, man, I want to say thanks for letting me be on your show. And yeah, a little bit about me is, I mean, if you go beyond Refocus Radio, I mean, everyone has a story. So I was into the creative arts, man. Like, I love music. My, my dad was really into, like, smooth jazz. So that's something that I really grew up, you know, appreciating. And I played in the band myself in fifth grade. I started playing the trumpet. And just kind of self-taught myself and making like music, sequencing and beats and all that stuff on keyboards. But yeah, my dad really kind of started all of that as far as giving me opportunity and both parents. Actually, my mom and dad supported me in my creative arts because I was really a, you know, great student when I first started. I was kind of like just in my own world. <laughs> thinking about art class and that was my favorite subject. <laughs> if it wasn't with music or art or visuals, I was kind of lost in the sauce. So I appreciate my parents just, you know, believe in their kid. And I didn't turn out too bad because I had my own radio show, but I'm skipping some steps, but I just give me a little short summary of basically my personality. Nice. Yeah. You, uh, you still play? Uh, trumpet. I kind of, I kind of stopped. So, I played from fifth grade all the way through my freshman year in, in high school. So I played the jazz band my freshman year. And then my sister, uh, we we grew up in Michigan. So I'm born in San Antonio, but we grew up in Michigan. My dad got a job offer um, at Chrysler. So we moved when I was eight years old from San Antonio to uh, Ypsilanti. It's basically like uh, 45 minutes outside Detroit. So my sister, speeding up to high school, she ended up going to a program where she needed a high school diploma and associate's degree. And when I was going to my sophomore year in, in high school, that's when I stopped playing the trumpet because she recruited me to go to the school that she was going to in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That was Washington Technical Middle College. It's on the campus of Washington Community College. And basically, it's a high school program where you can basically pick your field and you you get your high school diploma along with the associate's degree, and that's what happened. Man, I just stopped the trumpet. But I, like I mentioned before, uh, having the experience of kind of working with keyboards, making beats and stuff. I start I started my uh, my my journey with music production engineering. So I got my certificate in that with my high school diploma, and I also got an associate's degree in general studies. And I stayed one year later to get my second associate's degree in three D animation. Nice. Yeah, I can tell by um, your show and, and um, you know, your production quality that you know what you're doing. Unlike me, I'm just an amateur. <laughs> nah, you good, man. But yeah, so it, 
yeah, you got a lot of interest. Music and then uh, production, uh, audio production, then th- creative arts too, like 3D art and stuff. Yes, sir. So 3D animation is what I studied when I finished uh, WTMC Washington Technical Middle College. So I stayed on the Washington Community College campus for one more year, uh, probably like a year and a half. And basically, I pursued my second degree in 3D animation. Prior, my because um, we have like instructors and professors and counselors, and it was like, man, you know, they have a video uh, associate's degree that you can pursue. But why not go for 3D animation? It's a little bit more, you know, difficult levels, a little bit more intense. And the same software that, you know, you see them use for Transformers and stuff, use Autodex Maya. So use the same in- industry level software that they use for, you know, some of the biggest movies in the planet, on the planet. So it was a challenging uh, thing to do. It was very technical. Uh, a lot of numbers and know how to do things and, geometry and CAD software. So it, it wasn't a easy, uh, just one, two, three, and this, I'm going to do this, my sleep type degree. It was, it required, uh, a lot of commitment and I was up for the challenge. I was a very visual person. So that was my secret into being able to do well is I really love visual arts. So I had like an edge as far as like, you know what, besides all the technical stuff, I'm going to make this fun. And actually, I did pretty well in that course. And my my instructor, uh, I'll never forget him, uh, Randy. He was a cool guy. He went to Michigan State, and uh, he was a professor at Washington Community College. He's one of those teachers that, you know, you just... It's funny because you said that on your show, but he's one of those teachers that you don't forget uh, just good people. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's definitely... I'm taking a course right now in teaching uh, the college student for my PhD. And that's, that's one of the things they talk about is they have you reflect on your good teaching experiences and your bad ones and, and, you know, how to become a good teacher. And, you know, some of it, you know, is, is good to learn, but I think some of it is just, you know, it's a personality and it's years of developing it, that kind of stuff and, and getting it to work. But yeah, the 3d animation that, you know, if anybody, if you had never have people should watch, uh, you know, a YouTube video on how it's done because with modern movies and stuff, we just take it for granted how much work goes into doing the CGI. And then you watch the credits and you see just hundreds of names scroll by of people doing every little thing. So yeah, it's definitely a challenging technical field. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a real quick, I had a friend, uh, uh, more like a classmate associate. He ended up working for a cartoon network months after his graduation. So, like, people went to EA Sports, people went to, you know, a four-year college to go further in it and, you know, studying 3D animation and CAD software. But it's, it's an opportunity for those who, you know, just want to go all in because it's not just um, movies, but it can be, you know, people design commercial buildings. It, it's so many things that people can do with 3D. Yeah. So you went, you went the other direction. You ended up in, in radio. Was that, um, by choice or had not a college? Did you have a pretty clear path for it? And that's just the direction you ended up going or? Man, that is the question of the moment of the show because my turning point was I was shopping, you know, where can I go after this community college experience? Cause basically wherever I was going to end up at. I'll probably most likely without the college credits be bumped up to a junior. 
And so I'm looking all all the con- uh, universities around the country. I'm like, hmm, man, our tuition is going to be crazy, <laughs> you know? And I wanted to look at Full Sail. And I heard a lot of people's, you know, good experience there. And they have so many things with music business, entertainment business, uh, video, um, music industry. So I was like, you know what, that would be a cool place to go to. And I was like, nah, tuition at the time which just wasn't great. Everybody knows about the meltdown with, you know, the car industry back in the day. That, that was why I was in uh, school, actually. But I ended up going to the University of Toledo and they gave me a partial scholarship. So I was going where they was going to give me some money. And that, that was my uh, reason of making the school selection as far as uh, pursuing higher education outside of community college. I started as a movie major, a video production major. And yeah, you know what they say. You don't change your uh, degree <laughs> your first year or, or before. So I ended up doing that. But I did it differently. I basically was like, you know what? I just want to get out of the university, you know, as soon as I can and just start working somewhere and just work a job. And, you know, I knew whatever I was going to do was going to be visual and audio. I just didn't know my my actual path at that time. I was still, like I said, I was a very abstract creative person. So I'm always kind of over the place. That's just my personality. But summarize the experience at University of Toledo. I ended up building my own degree. So I got a Bachelor's of Arts in Interdisciplinary Studies where I had to write a letter to the board to prove my career, my educational path, and my focus of studies. So since I was bumped to a junior year with my college credits I attained at uh, my community college in Ann Arbor, I was a junior and my counselor was like, well, you know, what do you want to study? They said, you might be a great teacher because you're a great listener, you know? And it's funny because everything that I'm doing today, I had like little breadcrumbs of statements from people I've met, whether they were in my class or if it was my counselor or if it was my professor. And long story short, I changed counselors because one I had was trying to uh, push me to be a, you know, an English major. And I was like, no, I don't want to teach. I, like, I don't want to be a teacher. I, I want to I do something different. I want to do something different. I ended up picking philosophy and business. And someone would be like, wait, what? Why would you do that? Well, after I looked at all the different places, I, I knew if I studied that and wrote the letter to the board to get approved to start my studying, because you can't take any classes and continue unless the board approves your, your letter and, and basically co-signs you to, you know, pursue an interdisciplinary studies, uh, bachelor of arts degree. So once I got approved, I study philosophy and business because that would be the fastest way I can get out of University, University of Toledo. And I did. I got out um, at the age of 18, man. It was crazy. I mean, people actually, let me rewind that back, 20, uh, not 18. And it was an amazing feeling because I'm like, all right, it's a lot of work. I did 18 credit hours one semester in the summer. And I was just dead serious. I was like, I got to get out here fast track. and. You know, I'll tell you a little bit more what happened after graduation, because like I said, we know what happened, what happened uh, in the car industry in in Michigan around uh, the time that Obama was in office. Right. Yeah. And that's a that's a cool story, man. So 
it, this is kind of leading up to the big question, right? You, you've talked about um, sort of how your life unfolded and how you had choices at, at different um, different areas and stuff, which brings up this idea of focusing and refocusing. So you want to tell the listeners what refocus radio is before we dive into sort of the philosophical aspects of uh, some of the other questions? Yes, sir. So <laughs> refocus uh, radio, I refocus radio, like I told you, um, after we had a little uh, conversation after I interviewed you, that came from my mom, man. She she started a whole movement because uh, after I finished college, you know, I couldn't find a job. It was like crazy. Everyone's like, you overqualified. I even had people tell me like, I know you're not going to stay here long enough. You're just going to get here and probably leave. <laughs> I'm not lying. I Because this is when I moved back to San Antonio. So it was a dry season. It was a dry spell. Could get a job. End up going to a church and end up being recruited to be a uh, part of the media team. And that's when I met my mentor for uh, a local news station. He taught me everything you know. He helped me get educated on uh, starting my own business. So I started just picking up camera and shooting pictures. But my mom, she's always a photographer. She's always into like all that stuff. So that's where I get some of that creative juice from. And my grandmother, she passed when I was in fifth grade, but she was uh, a piano player by ear. You know, she played by ear. And so, like, that's where you see the visual and audio stuff kind of, you know, go in a little bit as, as far as, like, being influenced by my family. But to get to the point about the refocus thing, there's a point where my mom's like, you know, do something inspirational. You know, do something that's bigger than yourself. And uh, I had a conversation with a friend. And it's like, you know, what can I do, you know? And then that's when the idea of uh, Refocus Magazine was birthed. And we we just basically was like, all right, the concept is we will just inspire people by telling stories. And then years went by, got expensive to run the magazine. And then that's when we birthed the podcast, 2016. We said, all right, we're going to do this podcast. We we don't know anything about podcasts, but I was like, I'm going to do it because I didn't know anything about the magazine. My sister, who graduated from Purdue, was our editor-in-chief for the magazine. So it's a lot of just creative juices, like just like my whole life, you know, from college, community college. Uh, University Little, everything's always been like going against the odds, like not the normal route that everybody is used to, but me calling audibles throughout time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can understand that because a lot of your story is kind of mirrors some of the, my story that I was telling on your show a little bit about, man, I don't want to pay college tuition. And, you know, I, I don't want to just kind of live a run of the mill life. I want to do something that, that seems to have some impact. And, you know, that combined with being a creative person, um, you know, being a creative person combined with having a growth mindset kind of takes you to some cool places, whether it's podcasting or making a magazine or, you know, releasing albums or making art, whatever it is. Um, But when you started Refocus Radio, did you see it going where it's gone today? Did you think that you'd end up where you are? Absolutely not, man. I mean, you already seen the homepage. Is I just talked to someone yesterday. Is is really legit? Just crazy how this idea has become something special. I mean, 
I always tell people now, because I'm more of a mature uh, talk show host than I was before. When I first started the podcast that we recorded at the barbershop, shout out to Rico Rodriguez. He's my friend for life. He's the one that would buy uh, breakfast for my guests on the house. He did have me pitching anything. He, he said, I got you. I believe in what you're doing. And mind you, this is before it became radio because my day job is radio. But at the time, I was part-time in radio and doing this as a side hustle. And then before you knew it, it just grew. And the place I work at, they wanted me to start a community show and make it just a mirror of my podcast, but focus on, you know, educating people, you know, through people's stories. And yeah, when I look at where we are today, we had the opportunity to interview a very broad spectrum from celebrities to, I mean, athletes, you know, world-class individuals, you know, I, I look at some of the names and it's like, wow, like <laughs> we really get to talk to this person today. And we went from one interview a week to averaging three, four to five, even seven you know, interviews a week. But on average, it's like three to four interviews a week now consistently. And it's very uh, humbling if if that's where I can choose because people now are like, man, I can't believe I'm going to be on your show. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes I'll get someone, you know, have a strong response when uh, I send a reply from a message. And I have to tell them before we do the interview, like, hey, man, I know you're so excited <laughs> to be on my show. I appreciate that. But you got to understand, man, like it's a story behind this. Like don't think I'm a big shot or something like that. Because I know you might think that, but trust me, I'm just a regular guy <laughs> who's more, mostly just a creative and just having fun telling people stories. And that's it, man. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, I, it's nice in the day and age we live in to see something like that um, you know, do well, because I think that there's kind of this conception uh, people have in, in media when you're looking at the news or you're looking at entertainment or that kind of stuff that kind of bad news makes the headlines or, you know, salacious stuff, stuff that, um, you know, is sort of uh, controversial. Um, but like I mentioned, when I was on your show, you know, I, I think that if you if you're doing some things for the right reason, um, and and it's coming from from the heart, from a good place. You know, it's not just a business or that sort of thing. I think people will pick up on that, and uh, you know, it, it it lends some credibility to what you're doing. Yeah, and I'll uh, give credit to my mom again because uh, she always helped me along the way. Even when I started my my business, that is, you know, Smart Product Studio LLC, where we do photography, but we've grown into doing like music videos and. Just like video branding is what I call it because we basically just help clients with a vision. And, you know, since I have a day job, it's more like a side hustle. I'm not doing that full time. Uh, one of these days I will, but I always tell people I'm a different entrepreneur. Uh, I actually love what I do in my day job. Uh, I, I appreciate the tools they give me. And um, not everyone is going to brag about their day job. I understand that. But, I, I try to look at it from a different lens and it kind of goes parallel with my show, you know, 
every day we choose a target to focus on, man. We just got to aim and go. We get, we have to aim and fire. And as easy as that sounds, it's the opposite. It's, it's totally difficult to do that. But that's part of the reason why I, I started the show, you know, not just because my mom inspired me to do it, but because the whole meaning behind it is like anybody who has the willingness to take that risk, you know, to pursue that business or pursue that career. There's a story behind that. And that's why I know, you know, people have been able to take it in a positive way because that's what it's all about. It's about taking those risks and not allowing yourself to get blurred by the distractions that are, you know, around you. Yeah, I think if you look at it critically, like through a philosophical lens, you know, I think that a lot of people think about careers as, you know, well, I, I can't do what I want to do because it's too big of a risk. You know, I need the money of a steady job or whatever. But, you know, when you think about the fact that you're going to spend a third of your life doing whatever you're doing for work, it seems like a lot bigger risk to pigeon your whole, pigeonhole yourself into doing something you don't like rather than trying to find something that you do enjoy doing, you know? Um, so refocusing implies that there was an initial focus. So why is refocusing in everyday life important? Yeah, man. I mean, (laughs) my mom's going to be getting a big shout because that's where the credit needs to go to, man. She's always heard my my dad always, you know, had a faith-based background and that's kind of been their tone. You know, they try to teach us. I have you know, older brother, other sis, uh, older sister. I'm the youngest, so it's just three of us. That's always been the tone, man. Is you know, you have to try to learn from your past and put your best foot forward. So that's the concept of the show. Is like, no matter what life throws at you, just know it's going to throw something at you. You just got to be ready for it, and you just got to refocus on your purpose. That. You know, whatever your gift and talent is, man, if you, if you can sing well, use it, you know. If you are good at, you know, studying, being a doctor, be it, you know, whatever it is, you know, you just, you have to apply yourself. And that's something my parents always say. And no one's ever too old or too young to apply themselves. You just got to make your mind up. That's something that you need to do in order for you to level up and grow. Because a lot of times we get caught up trying to, you know, look at everybody else's, you know, chapters that they've written and we're still on chapter one <laughs> and we're expecting to dunk the ball like Michael Jordan. It's like, hey, hold up. There's only one Michael Jordan, man. You should be your own Michael Jordan, you know, fill in your first and last name and, and focus on that and make that name great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, like I mentioned on your show, um, I think part of part of what helps keeps you keep you humble is being on chapter one on something throughout your life, right? I think that it's, it's sort of easy to, um, for people to go, go through their life and, and start to think of themselves a certain way. And then it's, it's inflexible, you know, that's like, well, this is who I am. This is what I, what I do. And, um, you know, the idea of learning new things or, or reaching out into new areas is sort of hard to think about. So as we go through life, how do we determine when we're staying true to ourselves and when we're when we're being stuck in our ways? And that's good because uh truthfully is is when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, man. Like just speaking personally, we all have our 
dry seasons, right? Or storms. Well, when you get older, you start to realize the storms are not really like the time for you to be like, oh, here we go again. Why are you doing this to me, God? <laughs> you know, like, what, what would I do to deserve this? Whatever. When you get older, you start being like, okay, I've been down this road. What, what do I need to do? You know, what maintenance adjustments do I need to do? And when you come from that perspective, then you start looking at everything differently. Like everything coming at you that's beyond your control. You just adjust to it and you learn from it. And part of it too is like my pe- people like you get on my show. You, you just get those little gems and you collect them, right? And you be like, hey, I remember this. This sounds familiar. I remember someone talking about this on my show. I'm going to use this. And, you know, remember what they said, strategies that they use to overcome those obstacles because it's going to come. I think the biggest myth myth is that people think that hardship obstacles are not going to come or or when they do come, it's not going to be that bad. Well, you can't live in that fairy tale, man. <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be what it is. But the bigger question is what are you going to be after it? You know, how are you going to respond to it? And people might think, you know, the show I do is easy, it's fun, you know, it's big success with it. No, no, no. It's the same thing. There's always going to be something that happens. It's going to be setbacks, it's going to be frustrations. But when you show up every day, that's when the magic happens. It's when you stop showing up, when things just fall apart completely. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've been doing some research into uh, mythology and uh, I came across a guy who did a lot of study on it and kind of examined uh, people's myths from around the world in ancient times and stuff. And, uh, you know, as an academic, was trying to draw some some meaning out of them, what what the, the message and the purpose behind them was. And um, one of the things that he was ended up saying was that, you know, the whole point of these stories is to demonstrate for people how they should act in their everyday lives, you know, because when you see the heroes in these stories, they're always facing these huge obstacles that that you'd never face in real life, right? We're never going to go to the underworld and have to fight a three-headed dog or something like that, right? So anything that we face in comparison is is pretty easy. So for us to go about our days, right? If I if I crash my car or something, if I throw up my hands and say, "Oh well, what's the point?" you know, or give up or whatever the case is the point of the myths is to say, well, listen, there's, there's people who have gone through a lot harder things and they rose to the challenge rather than throwing up their hands and giving up, you know? And I think that on a whole societally, that's something that kind of concerns me, right? When we look at some of the issues we're facing out there, um, specifically with like, uh, climate change or, um, you know, the polarity in politics, that sort of thing. I think that the general consensus with people is just to kind of throw their hands up and say, oh, I give up, you know, well, it can't be fixed. You know, people aren't going to change or the damage for, to the environment's already done or that sort of thing. When what we need is for some people to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, it's daunting, but people have done harder things and we can figure out a way to, to fix some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes into, you know, finding your purpose. You have to, find it you know and when you find it you have to nurture it you have to build it up you have to 
you know, ask questions. You got to be around people that's going to be smart. And I mean, that's, that's all right. That's the main secret sauce. Okay. Anybody take this away and they go my website and be like, wow, how do you interview all these celebrities or whatever? I'll tell you secret sauce. All right. The secret is, it's simple. Not the work, but just the approach. The, the work is hard, but the, the principle is simple. And that is, I surround myself with smart people. When you surround yourself with smart people, it forces you to perform a certain way. It, it forces you to, you know, reach this certain level of how you operate yourself, how you conduct yourself, you know, because they are reminding you where you uh, want to be, right? And they are a reflection of your future, you know? Because if you're trying to live, you know, the opposite, then there's your future. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that also goes back to to keeping you humble, right? Because that's the thing is when you surround yourself with smart people, it's a lot harder to act like you know everything because you're going to get called on it. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna know that you don't know what you're talking about. So um, kind of revisiting the, that question, though, um, when we try to figure out when we come up against something difficult, right? We have a challenge and we, we decide we, you know, it's, it's something we don't want to engage with. How do we know whether we're staying true to ourselves or if we're being stuck in our ways? Have you ever come across that something where you go, well, I don't really want to engage in that because that's just not who I am. And do you think that that's sort of a cop-out excuse or do you think that there are legitimately things where you go, this isn't something that I want to focus on and so I'm going to leave it alone? Yeah, there's two answers I give to that. First one is, yeah, you you can you can choose to like quit on something. It's like actually healthy for you to quit. Like, you know, someone comes and give you advice, whatever, and at first you're hard headed, but then you you see the bigger picture and you're like, Okay, it was me the whole time. <laughs> I was the one who stunk up the room. <laughs> it was me. I did it. When you take ownership in that, then you grow, right? But then there's other things where it's like, you just, you have to stop because you just need to stop. You know, you need to pause and be like, hey, I need to reevaluate where I'm at. That's when you really start growing. Because not everyone's advice is like meant for you. Because people mean well, but they may not give you, you know, the best advice. They might just give you what they see from, you know, a 30,000 foot view but they don't see the up close intimate parts of you. And sometimes it's you, you have to be responsible of knowing your voice. Only way you do that is you got to reflect, you know, if you don't, if you don't reflect, you're, you're, you're kind of like rolling the dice. <laughs> you're not really going nowhere. You're just kind of, you're flowing through life without any direction. Yeah, I think that that's a really good insight. And it's one that I have to put to use a little bit better because, you know, I think that when, when you describe that scenario, it's easy for us to think of somebody who, you know, maybe doesn't have a job or is living at their parents' house or whatever the case is. But I think it can happen to successful people as well. Um, you know, cause if I have a full time job, um, and then I'm, I'm writing an album and I'm writing a book and I'm doing a podcast and I'm trying, you know, I'm married and I'm trying to have a social life with my friends. I'm trying to keep, and I'm going to school. I'm getting my PhD. I'm trying to do all this stuff. Right. 
um, it leaves very little time for reflection. And the way that you describe that is really accurate. Sometimes you feel like you're just rolling the dice. You know, you're like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just jumping from this thing to this thing, trying to stay on top of it all. And, uh, you know, there's definitely been times where I've had to stop and say, what, what am I doing? You know, what, what is a priority right now? And, um, I think that that, that is a big part of, of refocusing. And to touch on that even more, like for me personally, like I said, both my parents are like, you know, based on faith and all that. Like, you talking about struggle? I'm still struggling to this day. I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. I still listen to secular music. I still, you know, create music that's, you know, it's not purely gospel, but I'm a creative person and that's just who I am. But it's not an excuse, but I'm just saying that's who I am. I think that's always kind of shamed a little bit and people are always going to have their opinion. But that's when you have to have those alone times and, and just think about your life, you know? And if you feel like, okay, you know, I do need to get closer to God. Well then, all right, let's do that. But I come from a perspective where it's more about what your actions and what you're really trying to do versus your words and what you want to sound like. Because the show that I'm doing today, it wouldn't be where it is today if I was just on some script. <laughs> people will see right through it. People will never want to be a part of the show. I think people like the idea because they can come as they are. And yes, I'm going to have a little, uh, you know, center on this faith thing, but I like to tell everyone's story because I come from a, uh, perspective that if someone doesn't get to talk then what is life you know yeah, you can't just have someone say whatever the script is you gotta have people from all backgrounds of life to speak and like I said I respect my mom and dad's faith because I believe in it too as well but at the same time you know even God talks about do unto others if you have have them do unto you. So for me, it's a personal uh, relationship and that's something that we choose to build with others every day and it's not easy, but it is a positive experience when people try to allow that part of them grow. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important point. Um, you know, I think that when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, religious stuff you know i think that a very important point is that nobody's perfect right mm -hmm. there is there is nobody that's perfect and one of my favorite parables from the bible was when uh you know jesus teaching teaching them how to pray he says don't pray like a, a pharisee you know who's in the temple saying oh look at, i'm so glad that i'm not like this guy you know out loud and the other guy he's just being he's just praying honestly earnestly to himself you know and so i think that that goes back to what you were saying, right? About actions speaking louder than words, right? It's a, hey, go, you know, when they ask how they should pray, he says, well, go, go pray in your closet, right? Don't go making a show out of it for everybody. And as far as embracing other views, right? I think that like the whole philosophy behind your show is very important, right? Letting people tell their story, even if it is different from yours, because gaining uh, a wider perspective can really only benefit people in the long run because 
one of two things will happen, right? Either you're going to hear things that conflict with your worldview and are wrong and thereby confirm your worldview, or you're going to hear things that conflict with your worldview and are right. And then you're going to have to refocus, right? You're going to have to rethink and critically think philosophically about what it is you believe. And that leads to a greater depth of understanding about what you believe than just being somebody who kind of takes something at face value. Yeah, because I've I've been uh, fortunate to interview a very wide uh, spectrum. I mean, from legendary hip hop icons to, you know, really, you know, to the point strong, you know, pastors, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I feel people, when they care about the show and they kind of look at what it's all about, the main thing that they are attracted to is the fact that I don't speak as much. <laughs> I'm not the one saying this is the message and yada, yada, yada. And, and then the guest says a few words and I wrap it up. And I think that's why it's important because, you know, when it comes to the Bible, you know, that's something I've been exposed to my whole life, you know, grew up going to church, all that. And the one thing I know it works is that you have to do it yourself. You have to read yourself. You can't depend on the church or the pastor to tell you how to live and tell you what to do. Because a lot of the traditional man-made rules is what it is. I won't go deep into that. But one thing I know for sure is you have to be the one that has that conversation. And you just be yourself. You don't have to, you know, switch into this character where you just say, all these biblical words, you just be yourself. And I feel like you will always have a better chance to grow and mature and people will feel it. You know, like when you have conversations with people, they'd be like, man, what do you believe in? <laughs> you know, I had in college real quick, I'll throw it back to you in college. I was at Toledo. I was in the class and it was an atheist in the class. And the reason why I know is because he wanted to talk to me after, um, <clears throat> excuse me, after the the uh, the class session. And he's like, man, he said, I'm an atheist, man, but I'm very curious. What do you believe in, man? Because I feel like you might be a Christian, but then I don't know. And I told him, I said, I said, wow. Well, first, I mean, it's, I mean, I ain't got no beef. If you're an atheist, that's you, man. Like, <laughs> that's not... You know, that's your decision. Like, I can't control that. And two, I said, yeah, I'm a believer, man. But, like, I'm not going to quote scripture and throw it, you know, down your throat. Like, that's, I don't believe in that. Part of the reason why is because, you know, growing up in the church, you see stuff behind the scenes. And, you you, you know, you just go through, you know, some of those things. And sometimes it's like, nah, that's not the type of person I want to be. I want to be a person that just does it and people see it. I don't want to speak it. And then they see me doing something else. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just, you have to just be real. More real you can be, the more people respect that. And, and they will just, the right ones respect you and the wrong ones will just judge you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I had a, had a very similar background um, where I was, I was raised in, in the church. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of people 
who who do. They they become different people at church than they are at at their houses, right? And um, really, that's just the same thing as the Pharisee praying, right? You're just you're just saying something out loud when what's in your heart is not the same thing. And um, you know, I like like you said, I, I I like to be the same as you. Yeah, and that's hard when you have a podcast, right? I think you do it a lot better than I do because you're absolutely right. That is what um, piqued my interest about your podcast, listening to it, as I go, man, this guy never talks about his own thing. He just lets the the guests tell their story. With mine, you know, I, I try to stay pretty neutral about stuff, um, but I, I do end up tipping my hand a little bit about things that I believe. But at the same time, it's part of my, you know, responsibility when doing the show to talk about all kinds of worldviews, right? Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, um, atheism. And, you know, even they've, there's been some studies that have shown atheists actually act more moral than some Christians do. Um, I would not that, be surprised, man. <laughs> right, right. Just based off of the people that you've, you've met throughout your life who kind of um, use some things as, as a mask in some ways, right? So how do we discriminate between growing as a person and selling out in some way when we're trying to focus or refocus on our lives? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're asking like, uh, instead of selling out, you're, you're just kind of like staying true to your, your gut. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So this, I guess this question is sort of like the opposite of the last one, right? Yeah. The, the last one was, you know, how do you know if you're staying true to yourself or if you're being stuck in your ways? This mm. one is kind of, how do you know if you're growing as a person when you change your opinions or thoughts or attitudes on something? And how do you know if you're actually selling out or, or just kind of going along with the crowd with when you, when you take a new thought or worldview? Gotcha. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll say selling out, man, is easy and is, is convenient in this world. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of sellouts, period. <laughs> so it's like, why not join the masses and, and just sell out? Well, here's the problem. I'll answer that one first. The problem is when you sell out is, uh, number one, you feel cheap. <laughs> number two, you feel regret. And number three, you just, uh, you mess up what your purpose is, man. Like you, you just, you, you prolong the process of, of, of growth. You know, it just, it just gets delayed and you know, you're selling out when you feel like, you know, you're questioning what you're doing. And when you start to question what you're doing, that's when it's time to pause and you just got to rethink, you got to reflect, you got to, you know, get yourself around some, you know, good people that have good intentions and you can see their success, right? You can see that they are being true to who they are and their purpose because it shows, man. Like you see the results and results don't lie. And if you want to stay true and grow, then you have to, you have to do that, man. You, you have to find that core, right? I call it like a home base. You got to return a home base of what, what has worked. You know, I just want to say like, when you survive a storm and then a new one comes, instead of getting uptight, remember that you also survived a storm before. 
you know, we want to throw everything away <laughs> when, when craziness happens like, and be like, oh, no, the whole, you know, we want to overreact. And it's natural, right? Because when, when something happens to you, first thing you want to do is overreact. Or if you build up going in the wrong direction, you want to be in denial. Blame everyone else except for yourself. So selling out is when you're not trying to pursue what is going to help you versus what's hurting you. And selling out will make you delusional because you would think you're doing something, but you're really not. Yeah, you hit it. I think you hit it on the head there. Um, yeah, early on in the response when you said selling out is easy, right? Whereas growing is hard. Like growing is almost never easy. It's a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that, that that's a good way of putting it is regardless of whether or not the area you're branching out into um, is something that coincides with your current beliefs or goes against them. I think that if it's hard, you know, if it's requiring you to do a lot of thinking or a lot of research or a lot of talking with other people in order to come to a conclusion, that's probably growth. Whereas if you're just hearing something or reading something or being told something and going, oh yeah, then that's, that's selling out. You know, it's, it's probably pretty much that simple. It's like if everyone was to jump off the cliff, are you going to be in the next one? Right. Yeah, exactly. So when you, when you look at your life, how well do you feel you've done refocusing throughout the years? Is that something that's always been at the forefront of your mind because of, you know, your family and, and the way that you've, you've lived or have you found yourself at times needing a reminder? Man. I'm gonna be the first one to say I need the reminder, man. I can't just be on your show acting like, oh yeah, my whole life. I that's I had it figured out. This is actually <laughs> exactly what I always thought. No, no, no. This is why I'm so passionate about it, because I feel like it's so necessary for people to have this, man. You know, like I said, give credit to my mom. Like my mom is my rock. You know, so is my dad, you know, but my mom, you know, you know how it is. Moms are always emotional and they always worry about this and worry about that. But if it wasn't for her, man, all this refocus stuff would never exist. You know, if it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't have the drive to do what I do. My dad was a hard worker. He always worked so hard for his family, you know. So if if I look at my life right now, of course I need improvement. I'd be lying if I said I didn't need improvement, you know, because like I said before, this is a lifetime uh, process. We have to strive every day to refocus because anybody who says they're focused, and they say or claim that they're focused for the rest of their life, they're lying. You know, literally two minutes from now, something can happen in traffic and I can lose my focus. <laughs> you know, I'm one email away from losing my cool. <laughs> you know, a bill can come. It's like, wait, you see what I'm saying? Like, life happens. And yeah. part of the mission is to help people get educated on the fact that let life happen, but make sure you happen with it. Because a lot of times we want to, hide back into our shell and we want to quit and we think we're doing everyone else's service if we quit because we feel like in our mind that I'm just better off just like not doing anything because you know everyone else is doing great stuff but you know I wasn't meant to do all that that's the biggest lie the biggest truth is you have to find yourself and sometimes you don't do that until a storm hits you until you go through some hardship and 
it's not like you just perfect on the other side. It's just that you now know a system of what you need to have in place in order for you to sustain success and to achieve new success. And you always had to surround yourself with people, even if it's just one person. Like you hear me say my mom, well, if it's just your mom, if it's just your cousin, whatever, you just need one person that's going to be your uh, accountability partner that's going to be like, hey, you need to do better. Because you ain't going to want to hear it, but you will remember it. And when you hit those brick walls, that's the first people you're going to remember, the ones who've been trying to help you out and show you the right path. Right. You know, like we were talking about with the, with the mythology, right? The hero isn't a hero before he's gone through something difficult, right? Then he's just a, a guy, right? So these things that are, you know, difficult in life that we face are are the things that make it worthwhile. But on top of that, um, you know, it's funny how, you know, your podcast, right, is all about refocusing. Mine's all about philosophy. And I think that when you you spend a lot of your life doing that, being being involved in the one area, I think that the the sort of conception people have is that um you're an expert or you know everything about it or you do it all the time when in reality it's just the opposite like the more i think about philosophy the more i go man i am i'm not a philosopher like i can't think philosophically i don't do this well at all right i think it's it's probably similar with refocusing right where you think about it all the time and the more you learn about it the more you go man the more i look at this in detail the more i realize i have a lot of work to do you know exactly yeah and it's it's just like what you said you know, people on the outside be like, oh my gosh, my, you got so-and-so. Oh my gosh, my, you, you did this. Oh my gosh, my, this and that. And wow, you know, this and that. All these compliments start flowing in. But I guarantee you, you know, a doctor who does heart surgery, they're really good at what they do. But they spend endless hours doing what they do. So, of course, they're going to have a better perspective than someone who doesn't know anything in the medical field, you know, the terminology and all that stuff. But that's the way it ought to be when you are following your path. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you are an expert, well, when you're perceived to be an expert, let's just put it that way, in whatever topic that you're doing, you're a great, you know, mechanic. I guarantee you probably spent so much time in the car shop, you know, learning from a mentor. You had passion for cars. so. It ends and begins with you. I had a guy on the show, retired Air Force guy, and he said something very, very interesting to me, stuck with me. And he said, uh, you know, it ain't, it's not about the first day or the last day. No one cares about the day you're born, the day you die. What matters the most and what people care about the most is the dash. And what did you do with that dash? And then he said that I got chills. Yeah. Yeah, man. That is that that really is it. You know, I think there's a lot of philosophical perspectives that that say that that there's there's no such thing as the past or present, all there or past or future, all there is is the present, right? All there is is what you're doing right now. Um, you know, because the past, you might have memories of it, but your memory is faulty. So who knows what would happen then? The future is something that hasn't happened yet. So all you have is right now, and that's what you need to to focus on. So last question, 
what would you most like to see come out of people refocusing? What would you what do you want to see come out of your 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 show, your project? Man, my main thing is really the way my mom wanted me to start the whole mission with Refocus magazine when we was telling stories, right? You telling stories of people in the prime of their career to help people find their purpose and discover their path. Why? So that they too can pay it forward and educate someone else who might want to pursue, you know, a person, read about their story, hear about their story, pursue what they pursue. So they're a professional sport, sports athlete, if they're, uh, you know, mayor of a city, if they're a governor of a state, if they're the president of the United States, if they are, you know, you know, high uh, security, whatever, whatever, you know, military, whatever, whatever it is. All I care about is that people be like, okay, if so-and-so can do this, let me start my journey today and pursue what I want to pursue or let me get inspired and get out of my, you know, dark pit that I'm in right now because there's a lot of people out there who are going through stuff. And that's the other reason why we are on the mission and just tell stories, but tell it in a way that's on can catch that flame because once you lose your flame it's almost impossible to get it back you know and I feel like until you take your last breath you always have the flame even if it's very small even if it's like you know barely can see it I don't think the flame goes out until you take your last breath so our mission is just simply keep it simple man Pursue your dream. And I know that sounds easy. And I know it's the opposite. But honestly, it's like someone who said on my show, they said, if you take one step forward today, it gets easier. But it gets harder until you take that first step. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know that I did an episode with a guy talking about um, habits, forming habits. And that's the thing is, it doesn't matter if it's good habits or bad habits, right? It starts with something simple. And then the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And so if you're you're putting it, your mind and your effort into good things, then it just gets easier and easier, right? And uh, I know your mission is the same that we have here, right? We always say on the show that everybody's a philosopher, right? It's not just me and Norm. Everybody out there is a philosopher. And I tell people, hey, you can come on my show anytime. We'll talk about whatever you want because having deep discussions like this is what opens people's eyes to the fact that they do have thoughts that are important. And like your show, anybody can refocus, right? Anybody can look at their life and find that thing that inspires them and that thing that gives them purpose. And they can make the decision to, um, you know, go out and, and give it a, give it a shot. So. Um, you know, we really, I, I really appreciate what you do out there and thanks for being on the show and until next time, keep positive.